Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a mother on the other line named Whitney who was diagnosed prenatally with her son having Kleinfelter syndrome, and she's about to share her story. Hello, Whitney. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. So um, I'll let you just get into it and, and kind of share um, how you received the diagnosis and, and go from there. Perfect. Okay, so I guess I want to start off with um, the fact that Everett was our second pregnancy. We had experienced a miscarriage right before, so we were super discouraged. Um, you know, feelings and emotions were running high, but when we found out we were pregnant, we were super excited. And of course, like a lot of other couples, we wanted to know the gender, like ASAP. So we did the blood test around 12 weeks, I think it was, and got it back a couple weeks later. I want to say I was closer to 15 weeks at that point. Um, And it was sent through my email inbox from the hospital. And so we didn't get a call or anything like that. So whenever we opened the packet, you know, the first thing we saw big red letters was XXY. And I'm like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll revisit this in a minute. We scrolled all the way down, found out that we were having a boy. Everything else was fine. And then I was like, okay, you know, I'm not... Uh, like a scientist, but I know that there should only be two letters there and we're seeing three. So, of course, we call the doctor, you know, we can't get a hold of her, you know, she's she's doing this and that and the other. And they're like, well, I would just really recommend, like strongly recommend that you sit down with one of our geneticists. And so, you know, I started to panic a little bit because that's the only thing that the nurse on the other line could tell me was, I can't say anything to you. I can't tell you anything, but you really, really need to call the geneticist. So naturally we start to panic a little bit and we um, got online and started Googling, which is both a blessing and a curse. We know Um, first thing that we saw was the picture of the guy with the breast tissue. We saw all these things that could be and would be wrong with our son um, and just started to feel really scared. Um, because I didn't know what this meant. I didn't know. I've never heard of this diagnosis before. And here we are with this paperwork saying your son has a high risk for XXY. And so, uh, I think we got into the geneticist about a week after that, where he basically sat us down and was like, you know, here's a packet of information, which was basically a copy from Google, everything we've already read. He's like, do you have any questions about this? And we're like, I mean, I feel like we've done enough research and and we've been reading every single day. I was on a lot of like mommy blogs where other women were getting these diagnoses too. And, um, which actually led me to your page, which was awesome. But, you know, I, I just told him, I was like, I don't think that we have any other questions other than like, you know, what can we do moving forward? Do, Do we have to do anything? Like what can we arm ourselves with like knowledge wise? Um, and he had listed like a couple of things that we could be doing. He basically was just like, I would just keep yourself educated and up on the research. And um, here's a genetic specialist at Children's after he's born. He may need this later in life, so you can go see her. Um, and then other than that, that was it. We finally got into my doctor, I think a couple weeks later, um, where you know she was very reassuring. She's like, nothing's wrong baby's healthy, you're healthy, you didn't do anything wrong, you know, this isn't something that's caused, it's just a genetic condition, and sometimes it just happens, um, 
And I think something that's really cool is that, you know, termination was never even talked about. That was never an option. It wasn't an option for my husband and I, no matter what the paperwork said. But when we got into the office with my doctor, you know, she never even mentioned it. She didn't look at me and say, well, do you want to or do you not? It was just, we're having a baby with XXY and that's just what we're doing. Um, I've read, I've read so many stories of mothers going into their, their doctor's offices where they're prompted for termination um, for a baby with XXY, which is, it's just mind boggling after, you know, going through the whole experience and actually having a son with that. Um, it's just, it's just extremely unnecessary. Um, and I think that a lot of people are misled in this. So I was really happy to know that my doctor didn't feel that way or didn't want to, and was very supportive of, uh, his diagnosis. So, um, you know, and I did get into a deep dive. This is, this kind of is a little funny. So I got into a deep dive on one of the mommy blogs where she was like, you know, we got this back from the test, but they're using us as guinea pigs because the test isn't supposed to bring up XXY. This is so new. And so a lot of people are getting like a false positive. And we had gone back to our test and it said he had 70% chance of and 30% chance of not. And so I was like, okay, so it's not a yes, but it's not a no. And the doctor said, yes, that's correct. Um, and we can do like further testing, but it's pretty invasive. It's the one where they put like the needle into your stomach um, and take out some fluid. And, and we were just not comfortable with that. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this to rest. I'm done with this for now. Let's have the baby. And then we can send off some blood when the baby is born. And so that's exactly what we did. Pregnancy was amazing. Um, absolutely no complications. So at birth, um, we sent off a blood sample. We didn't get back the results for about six weeks. Um, and I think at that point, I was really uh, suffering from some postpartum depression and anxiety. So when I got the call, it was not um, it was not it was not good timing for me, um, and it was it was very hard to hear. You know, on the other line of the phone, the geneticist basically just said we tested 500 cells and they all came back positive for XXY. So it was just it was just hard to hear. You know, we were in kind of like newborn bliss for a while and had six weeks of a newborn baby. Postpartum depression started to set in, and then I get a phone call like that. So I gave myself some time just to sit and to cry and to think about and what have you. And then I, I woke up the next day, and I said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I never did. We have the same baby we would have if he didn't have this, you know, genetic condition, and we're just happy to be a family of three. So that's just kind of where we left it. And um we did go and see the geneticist a little bit later. I think he was like six months old where she just, she looked him over and just said, no, he's perfect. There's nothing to do here. You don't need to do anything. He doesn't take anything. Um, you know, testosterone may be a, an option for him later in life, but we don't even know that yet. She was basically like, you don't ever need to come back here if you don't want to. There's nothing going on with your son. He's great. He's perfect. So that was awesome um, to hear. And the, the people here at, um, children St. Louis are just fantastic so that was awesome um and we've just been kind of growing and learning alongside of him and just 
watching. Um, I think he's got a lot more to teach us than <laughs> we do to teach him. But he's just a really typical kid. He's um, extremely bright. Uh, he's shown us that he's very strong, um, super determined. But I think overall, just like extremely loving. Like he is so tenderhearted and so sweet. And that is my absolute favorite part about him. Um, and yeah, so we're just, we're just going along with it. So I'm curious to like go back a little when you got that email and, and you checked, you know, and you went on to Google, thank God that, um, image is, is gone. We actually got rid of that image in a mm-hmm. shorter period of time that I was thinking was going to be able to happen. But, um, what was, what were the emotions? What were things going on in your head once you started reading the doom and gloom and, seeing all the images and, you know, other, like, what was, how was your reaction and how was your husband's reaction to those, to all of that stuff? Uh-huh. Um, well, I think the picture is a little alarming and not, not really true. Um, I just kept thinking in my head that there are so many children with these quote symptoms that are running around and that it, there's, there's no problem, right? They don't have a diagnosis. It's just who they are as people, it's who, who they are as children, how they've been developing with absolutely zero diagnoses made. So I think the picture wasn't cool to see, but I was like, I mean, if you get some testosterone and, and, and so I went to school for um, exercise science. So I know a lot about the body um, and I'm a personal trainer so I do understand how the body works um, and with hormones and all of that good stuff. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, all of this is kind of preventable. Um, I don't see a problem with him growing up, like, with, I don't know, like, speech, um, speech stuff or fine motor skills, all of those things. I just didn't see problems with it. I've done a lot of work in uh, physically disabled in the physically disabled field and a lot of the kids that I used to service were I mean a lot like what Google was saying was and I'm like you know what I've watched these people grow up and live totally typical normal lives I don't see how this is going to be an issue of course our immediate reaction was like oh my god he's going to get bullied in school and you know what if his body actually does look like this and there's nothing we can do about it until he like you know whatever hits um puberty you know you know but in the back of my head I was always thinking you know I've got this and the the field that I've worked in for the last six years this is exactly what we do you know we're here to help people become stronger you know change their bodies um all of this stuff, I just didn't see it being such an issue. I think my husband was a little more concerned just because he is a man and he knows what it's like to be in a locker room full of other men or boys and um, growing up with kind of like such a stigma of manly man stuff. Um, You know, you fall down, you get a scrape, you rub some dirt on it. That was kind of getting to him a little bit more than it was me. And maybe that's just because he's a man and I'm a woman, you know, I never had any of that. Um, but as, as my professional, um, career that it didn't worry me at all. So when you found the diet, when you, when you got the NIP test results back and it was like 70% positive, 
did you did you guys tell like family and friends did you tell your parents did your husband tell his parents like what was did you guys have the support around you did people know about it like how did that go for you guys yeah so um that is kind of funny thing that you ask um there were two three four oh my goodness four of my other friends were pregnant at the same time as me and so I was one of the first and so when they were asking about my test results they were like should I go get one do you think it's worth it and so at that point I did tell them what we had seen and at the time I was like I wish that I wouldn't have done it because it might not be true and I'm sitting here worrying and stressed about nothing looking back I don't I don't feel that way anymore I would get the test a hundred times over because it did prepare us a little bit uh, even if it wasn't a hundred percent we were still looking into and arming ourselves with knowledge um, and then I think just like also getting like our hearts ready for for things that may happen um, later on in life and things like that but yeah I did I did tell people mostly my friends that were pregnant asking and then I shared with my mom um my mom's kind of funny she's like oh it can't be true you know it's everything's gonna be fine you should be perfect the doctor's messed up and so I know it was a place of love but um you know in the back of my head I'm thinking well you know you can't really mess up a blood test it is kind of what it is but um it was uh I don't know, a little funny to hear my mom talk like that, but we didn't put it out on social media or anything like that just because we wanted to be sure. Um, but that's, you know, speaking of social media, I started researching and found your page um, and I was constantly going through, following a couple people's stories, reading blog posts, all that good stuff. Um, and it definitely eased our minds pretty much about everything. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, just kind of stayed on top of your page a little bit. <laughs> when, did you just, did you, did you kind of use the Instagram or did you, did you venture like though you said the blogs, did you do that? Did you see any, I don't, when, when did you get diagnosed? How, um, what year was it? It was 2020. Um, it was like spring ish 2020. Okay. So that's right when I think I started the podcast. So, um, and then once you, once you kind of told your mom and you, your friends and you kind of had that, you told some people and you had a little bit of support around you. How did acceptance come into play? Like when did you guys, because you didn't want to do an amnio um, or a CVS, mm -hmm. which is a, like a 1% chance of um, having like a miscarriage because it's so invasive. Mm -hmm. So what, when did the acceptance piece of like, okay, if he has this, so what, you know, if like, obviously you weren't there for termination, your doctor was really supportive so did that really help mm -hmm. you with the acceptance piece of like, okay, if he does have this, we'll just give him whatever he needs for help. Like how did that play? Yeah. Um, it definitely came after the full diagnosis when he was like about six weeks old. Um, you know, we got the call, gosh, I think it was around like three or four in the afternoon. Um, it was by the end of the night, you know, I had let myself cry and let myself feel um, and come up with the worst of the worst scenarios like you do as a parent. Um, and it was the end of the night. I was putting him down to bed and I just thought, oh, man, I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't, it's not going to make a difference in our life. And if it does, we're here, you know, we're here to jump the hurdles with him. We're here to, um, you know, try to 
to support him in, in any way possible. And we wanted to be advocates for him and let him know that he's not different. And if he wants to be different, it's okay to be different. And um, that acceptance really just came, I think, from within ourselves, within the own, our own home. Um, we did make, well, I made like an Instagram post about it. And we were just flooded with support and just all of these people letting us know that we're strong parents and that he's so he's perfect the way that he is. And there's absolutely nothing in the world that would change, you know, how much we loved him and all that stuff. So that was really cool to see. I think I made that post like a week later or something like that, but it was, I was finally ready to just share and try to educate people. I, I love educating people, especially in the world of disability and all that. So um, it was really cool to see like my little community on Instagram come together and just, and really just be behind us. What gave you this, the courage to speak out on social media? Like what, what allowed you to say, like, I want to advocate for my son and I want to put this out there. So was it because you were wanting support or was it just, you wanted people to know, like what, what gave you that courage to just do that? Um, I think it's just, I wanted people to know, I, I, um, I've worked for a nonprofit for a long, long time, servicing people with physical disabilities. So speaking out about disabilities and just awareness and education has, has been something in my life for the better part of five, six years. Um, and I did have like a little bit of a Instagram following and a little bit of a community. So I wanted to help educate and just let people know, and especially other mothers know that they're not alone um, and that they have people in their corner. Um, and that this is not a diagnosis to be afraid of. And, you know, if you come across anything in your life where your son may be diagnosed with XXY, it's not a big deal. And um, I think that was just really important to me because I like to talk about the hard topics. Um, I like to talk about things that make people feel uncomfortable because they usually need to be talked about. So I also want my son to grow up knowing that you know, we had his back and it wasn't something, it's not something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of. It's just a thing. Um, and again, it's, it might be a hard topic for people to hear, talk about, but I love, I love the education portion of it. I mean, I, I love that. I love the fact that you're open about it and that you're not, you're not, you're, you're, you're advocating for your son, son, even though he can't like, because he can't speak for himself at this point. Mm -hmm. And by sharing your story and his story together, you're able to let all the other parents out there know that like there's going to be more and more parents being diagnosed with this as time goes on. And we're on this like race against time, actually, like non-invasive prenatal testing is becoming more and more predominant, but the information with XXY is not changing fast enough. So the termination right. rate is well above 72% from 2006. <sighs> I mean, the non-invasive right. prenatal testing was like discovered and or came into like more mainstream in like 2012. So it's, mm. it's getting parents like you to like, yeah, we're not afraid of this. This isn't something to be shameful about. Like we want to teach our son acceptance as early as possible and teach him about mm -hmm. what makes him special and what makes him like unique and different than the rest of the population. And you're embracing his like good qualities and you're finding those, those things about him that the internet doesn't say anything about. Um, which right. the internet right. for everyone, I've been reading baby forms for the past couple of days and 
um, I'm blown away by like the parents are like, oh my God, we hope this is a false positive. Like this is the ho- most mm-hmm. horrible disease that my son could have. Like w- just okay. with all the information that they're reading online and, and not able or not wanting to find the right resources. Um, so right. when, when you kind of, you accepted it after he, after you finally got the diagnosis, but were you able to enjoy your pregnancy? And then what was the, what was the day like when he came into the world? Did you think about XXY at all? Um, I, I totally enjoyed the pregnancy. Like I said, there was no complications. Um, and it was a lot of fun for us. It was a little weird because COVID was happening. So we were kind of a little more homebound. It wasn't quite the show, you know, spectacular belly kind of a thing out in public, but it was, it was great. Um, I have no complaints for the pregnancy itself. Um, you know, the day that he was born, I did, it didn't cross my mind, you know, and it didn't. And so they were, you know, we kept the, the placenta and all that. So they were busy kind of packaging that. And then they also did the blood draw, but it was out of sight, out of mind. And, um, you know, the guy from FedEx came and picked up the blood sample and that was it. And then we were just, we were just happy to have a beautiful, healthy baby. And we just spent the next couple of days in the hospital, just kind of soaking it all in. But no, it, I wasn't thinking anything about it. I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't anxious to hear. I just, again, just was happy to be a family of three. So this was your, is this your first kid? First kid. Yeah. Okay. And so how has, you know, what's your, what's your son's name? If you don't mind me asking. Everett. Everett. And what, what's Everett's life been like in the first couple of, he, what is he two now? He'll be two next month. Yeah. So what, what have you guys noticed as far as things that, you know, when you did research Kleinfelter syndrome, have you guys had any challenges or what have been some of the most amazing positives about what, like watching him grow up? Um, We've had, so I actually made a post about this too. I think he was like six months or nine months or something, just about how great that he's doing and that he's hitting all of his milestones. He's extremely smart. He's extremely strong. There are no indications at this point that he does have Kleinfelters. And so there was a point in time where we're like, this has to be wrong, right? There's no way that Google says this, but my baby's able to do that, you know? And, um, Gosh, I wish I wish parents would know that too. That there, I mean, like I said, there's almost no indication that he does have a genetic condition. He's a totally normal kid um, who does normal things and jumps off the couch and you know does all these boy things that you're expecting boys to do that Google says that they won't. And so, um, you know, getting into this like toddler stage, we have noticed. The only things that are really different between him and another boy is he's not as rambunctious and he is super tenderhearted. He's got a lot of big feelings, um, but he's so sweet. He's such a cuddle bug um, and he's careful. So he likes to do, you know, the dangerous stuff like jumping off the couch, but he does it carefully. (laughs) Um, And watching him and my friend's son grow up together, you do see the differences just a little bit. Um, but you know, I talked to my mom a lot about this and she's like, that's exactly what your brother was like. So it's funny because Everett and my brother, my little brother, they're, I mean, almost identical in every sense. They look the same. They act the same. They both have big feelings the same. And my mom swears. She's like, 
that's just that's just your dad's side of the family. That's just how they are. They were all like that. And so he's just following suit. So here I am thinking, I'm like, this is so, it's so normal that, that people will develop differently and, and think differently and feel differently that the internet has been such a, like a, a detriment in this diagnosis because he could have been like this without a diagnosis. But because he has a diagnosis, a lot of people like to dwell on that part, but I like to just think that he is who he is and Kleinfelters was um was a was a bonus for him. Like it was a good thing for him because if he didn't have Kleinfelters, he wouldn't be Everett. And I think that we're we're at the point where we're just really thankful for for a diagnosis like this. Um because there are worse things. He's a he's a great kid. Um and we just think he's he's perfect. Is he an observer from from just like the playgrounds and watching other? Does he watch people do stuff before he goes and does it? Yes, yes, he is an observer, and that's that's really funny. He loves to watch older kids do stuff, um, and so at the park, it used to worry me a little bit because we would kind of play with just him and I. He wasn't really engaged with a lot of the kids, but now he's actually starting to engage. He'll walk up, he'll say hi to anybody, super friendly, um, but loves to observe. Yeah, he loves to watch kids do stuff. It's That's a common thing within the community. I've talked to so many mothers and um, even me growing up my whole life, I've always kind of watched other people do stuff to make sure. And then when I go to try it, I know that like, okay, they did it this way. They went up these stairs, mm-hmm. they did it this way. Like, it's just that I think maybe it maybe goes with being careful, like being more cautious yeah. about things, but um, also just people watching, people watching so enjoyable and um, to observe other people in this crazy world we live in. You mentioned like mm-hmm. uh, the kind of empathy, right. As, and be having bigger emotions. Like, is he a little bit more sensitive and emotional that you could see in a, in a two year old toddler? Or do you think that's just because he's two? That's, it, it does borderline sometimes, but I do feel that he has bigger feelings. He is definitely more emotional. Um, he has a really hard time hearing no. Um, you know, if he's doing something wrong, we'll say, hey, buddy, you can't do that. Uh, and he'll just start crying. And it's not, you know, we're, we don't yell. We don't hit. We're very gentle parenters. Um, but he has a hard time hearing that. And uh, I think it's because... I do think it's because of the client falters for sure. Um, but then again, I got my mom in my ear saying that my, my little brother was exactly the same. Um, cried a lot, had a lot of feelings, was very sensitive growing up. Who knows? My brother might have XXY too, but <laughs> she is, she swears. She's like, that's exactly how your brother was. So, um, yeah, I mean, he does, he has the big feelings. It's, it's kind of hard to figure out, right? That's I think that's one of the biggest things in the community from a community standpoint is what is XXY and then what is just like a normal boy or what is a toddler? What is a teenager? Mm-hmm. Like we go through these periods in life, uh, puberty and all these other aspects where it's like hard to tell um, with some kids depending upon where along the spectrum that you fall. And, and I try to, one of the biggest things with new newly diagnosed mothers is when they contact me, they're like, well, where on the spectrum is my son going to fall? And I'm like, where on the spectrum would your son fall? If you didn't have this diagnosis, you wouldn't know. 
mm-hmm. and you don't right. know what you're going to develop later on in life or what's going to happen. So there's this somewhat idea of when you get pregnant, there's this idea of like perfection and, yeah. and there nothing's going to be wrong and there's, there's nothing, you know, and, and I feel like that's, uh, that's something as, as a society that we've done to ourselves through social media and all that other stuff. And that's, a whole different topic for a different day. But what are some of the things that Everett loves to do? Like what are, what are some of the hobbies that you guys do as a family or what are things that just makes Everett unique and that he loves to just play around and do? Um, He's such a learner. He enjoys the ABCs. He loves to count. He loves um, shapes are his favorite thing right now. He's always asking to do shapes. Um, But he loves, like you said, to watch and learn. Everything that I do, he's my little copycat. He's my little shadow. Um, And he gravitates more towards the educational side of play versus imaginary. And so we're just now getting into a big imagination with him. Um, He's got a toy kitchen. I just got him an early birthday present. He's got a toy kitchen with a bunch of like plastic fruits and vegetables. He's obsessed with them. He loves to sit and organize them and go through and tell me the names of each one, um, put everything in his grocery basket, or he loves to make me soup um, on his little kitchenette. And uh, that is really the first thing that we've seen that he's loved, 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 um, and is really creating an imagination for him. Other than that, he wants to tell me shapes. He wants me to draw shapes so that he can tell me. Um, he goes through his ABCs like in the bathtub or he loves to count on his fingers right now. Um, and then other than that, he loves being outside. He's an explorer. He wants to walk around. He wants to pick up the rocks. Um, he loves to play in the water. Like it's been raining here the last couple of days and we'll put on his rain boots and he'll just stand in the rain and <laughs> splash around in the puddles and do stuff like that. So, um, which is awesome for us because we love to be outside. So that's something that's really cool. We can see ourselves, you know, camping and going on float trips and all these fun things that I know he's just going to love. How does your husband, now that he's like almost two and he's doing all these incredible things and your husband kind of had some, I don't, not doubt, but he had some um, Mm -hmm. like worry about what you guys read online and how he might not be like this manly man or that he might not be able to do these sports or activities. How does he mm-hmm. feel now knowing like whatever its capabilities are at, t- at almost being two? Um, you know, I don't think that we put much thought into things like that. Um, as far as, you know, later on in life with his diagnosis. Um, but I, I know that he's not worried about any of it. I know that, um, like we said, like anything that comes up, we're going to be able to walk through together. Um, any kind of hard time we'll be able to talk with them about. And I think, I think especially with our generation, like these millennials and Gen Z, um, just being aware, more aware of like your mental health and your feelings and your emotions. It's just so heightened right now in society. Um, I think it's not going to be an issue. You know, if he does end up having big feelings for a long, long time, and it's hard for him to get through like those teenage years with puberty, it's not going to be such an issue as it may have been um, like in the baby boomer age and stuff like that, where you didn't really talk much about it. Um, But as far as like 
him doing anything physically ever is so freaking strong. Like he has shown us some superhuman strength and I hear that all toddlers are like superhuman strength. So that not a worry at all there. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to get into sports. He likes, he likes to kick the ball a little bit, but he's mostly shown us that he loves to learn. So I think we might be leaning towards more of like an academic than, than a jock, but well, that's, I don't think my yeah, husband's that's awesome. worried. That's, that's awesome that your husband's not worried. Um, I just have a couple more questions before we just kind of wrap up the podcast is, you know, fertility mm-hmm. is something that, um, comes along with this di- infertility is something that comes along with this diagnosis. And, um, you mentioned you're like a millennial. Um, so how, and I know that millennials are, uh, definitely view fertility. Um, they're more open to maybe not having kids or, or, um, doing other forms of just the, t- like the, the typical way of having, having kids that's typically mm-hmm. out there. What, um, what was your concern about learning that your son might be infertile and, and kind of, how did you go about that? Cause it's almost like Klinefelter syndrome is its own thing. And then infertility is like a whole nother diagnosis that comes with this. How did you guys kind of right. venture through that and learning about XXY? Um, that was probably the hardest part without a doubt. Anything else for, for me and for my husband was very trivial. Um, but the infertility was super hard to hear. Um, I just didn't, I just don't, and don't ever want Everett to feel that, you know, it is his fault why they can't start a family or something like that. So, you know, we're, we will have those conversations frequently and openly, um, with him. And then, you know, as hard as that was to hear, I'm like, we have 20 plus years of hopeful, you know, research and science that will take place and who knows where we're going to be at by the time he's wanting or ready to have kids. And again, another thing, he could want to adopt him and his partner could not want kids at all. You know, he could be wanting, you know, anything. And I think it's such a great point that you brought up is like with these new generations, everyone's just so more open to ways to start a family, ways to have a family ways to be a family and I think that we have a lot of time to kind of explore with him and kind of navigate with him and I'm okay with it now and I think one of the most um, kind of eye-opening statements that I read actually on your Instagram I think it was a blog post or like an interview with a man who couldn't father his own children traditionally so they um, did a sperm donor and have two beautiful kids and he just said you know, I wouldn't have my kids if I didn't have this diagnosis. And that was, that was super eye-opening for me. And that just made all the difference because when we're talking about children, who cares where it came from? You know what I mean? It's a kid. You're going to love it. And it's, it's going to be our grandbaby no matter where it comes from. So I think that we're, we're really good there now. That is Gareth Landley. He actually, we just did a podcast. Yes. And a follow-up podcast. Um, He's done, he's been in the paper, um, in Ireland. He's done over like 14 podcasts now, I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, all over the world spreading his, it's kind of spreading his, uh, story about male infertility because it's not talked about and it's so common yeah. and it seems that females and women talk about it so much, but men don't talk about the infertility aspect or it's, even if they do, it's not really shed light on like as right. big of a deal as it is with women. 
And so he, he lives by that statement of like, he's so glad that he doesn't have sperm because he wouldn't have his two twins if it wasn't for him and they wouldn't be the people that they are. And he loves them because they're his kids just because they came from donor sperm. Um, so I'm just exactly. curious, you know, I'm curious wrapping this up and it's been wonderful having you and kind of having you share um, your story and a little bit about your son's story and, and everything. Why did you, you know, why did you want to put yourself out there on a podcast? I know that you talked about like working with the disability, um, physically disabled and kind of putting yourself out there. And um, why did you want to share your story? Um, I just think it's, it's crazy important. You know, like you said, with the termination rates, parents just need to know that everything is good. Everything is okay. You know, you're going to have this beautiful, healthy baby with Klein pelvis. You know, it doesn't take away the fact that you have a baby and that you're going to learn and you're going to grow just the same way you would if you didn't have that diagnosis. Um, and I don't, I don't want to see any more stories of ter- terminations because, you know, I think about that often. I think about how many people hear this, this diagnosis and immediately think, no, thank you. Um, I look at my son and I can't even imagine life if we had taken that route, you know, like he's such a beautiful soul. And I feel like a lot of men with XXY just are, they just, they just feel brighter for me. Um, it just, it, it's such a shame. And I think that it's so important to share and to educate and to advocate and try to stop this from happening really. Um, because he's such a blessing for us and, uh, you know, he's everything. Yeah. One of the statistics recently, we filmed a documentary in, in Oregon and one of the, the, we were interviewing the dad and he made a comment about how like, you know, 75% of the men with Klinefelter syndrome, um, never get a diagnosis in their life. They die never knowing. And how mm-hmm. is it that all of a sudden now with non-invasive prenatal testing, parents are trying to have kids, they're getting this diagnosis in your utero, and then they're being told by the medical field or the information that's online about this to terminate their child. And it's like you have 75% of this population that doesn't even receive a diagnosis that goes off to live what's what whatever you know there's no such thing as normal but like whatever normal mm-hmm. is and they never receive their diagnosis and the 25 percent that do that have a diagnosis within our community is, is there's such a small percentage of the community that's actually open about the diagnosis because the stigma right. and all the negative information online um instead of opening up and courageously putting themselves out there it's might be easier to hide behind this diagnosis because we are hiding in plain sight. And there is a lot of stigma and other bad images and misinformation and all this other stuff about Klinefelter syndrome coming from so many other resources besides the people within the community. So that's, it's been an amazing aspect of sharing so many people's stories on the podcast to really put real people put your voice out there to the genetic counselors, to the OBGYNs, to anyone else in the community that is listening to these to let them know that like your voice is just as important as the next person's voice. And like we as a community, we can't, it's like the down syndrome and autism community. Like the, the kids couldn't advocate for themselves. So the parents were the ones that did. And the now down syndrome community has hundreds of millions of dollars in research. Everyone knows about it. And yet chromosomally, um, Klinefelter syndrome is the most common chromosome condition in men, but nobody knows about it. So it's like, how do we yeah. 
get this community where everyone's in hiding about it? How do we get them to embrace the good about this and the, the aspects of that to realize that like, hey, there's parents every day that are terminating their kids because of the misinformation and the crap online. And even if you have right. a, a harder life, it's still worth sharing. You know, you work with people with physical disabilities, yet they, they you know, um, overcome their challenges and live happy and healthy and great lives. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's been amazing having you on and sharing your story. And I really appreciate um, you just as a mother that was diagnosed in utero, really sharing and putting yourself out there. Um, so thank you so much. No, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.